0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to the Kings Court Podcast presented by SacKingsNation.com and now live on Twitter. Joining me this week, it's been a minute, he's your Sacramento Kings insider for NBC Sports, James Ham. James, how you doing?
1: Good, what's going on Vince? How are you?
0: Oh, you know, same old same. I, I just told you uh, before the show, I'm getting married at the end of this year. I'm pr- I'm pretty excited about that, but other than that, you know, same old thing. Watching the Kings, and they're actually good this year.
1: You know, that's that's crazy you're getting married. Um, I'm actually – I have my 20-year anniversary this year. 20-year married anniversary.
0: Well, congratulations. What are you guys about to do? I mean, 20 years is a long time. You better be, like, doing something big.
1: Uh, we're going to spend our, our 20th in Europe. Yeah, we'll be in Europe, and the plan is uh, to take the boys and go to Europe for, you know, I don't know, two weeks, a little over two weeks and uh sort of introduce our our boys to uh to world travel. So they they've done a little bit of travel but uh a big introduction to trains and planes and automobiles.
0: That's cool. I think for uh the thing that we want to do probably not you know after getting married or anything like that like after the honeymoon cuz we're saving to actually move. I'll be moving out of Sacramento here soon. Uh probably within the next year but I think we're we're trying to go to Hawaii. I've never been there before, so that'll be like my first like real travel since I was probably a teenager when I used to travel for racing bicycles and stuff. But yeah, that's cool. I'm excited for you. Congratulations! Very nice. That's Twenty years. Yeah. But uh, you know, James, something has happened for the first time in over a decade, and that's the Sacramento Kings. might be making the playoffs this year, and I don't, I don't know if I should be getting excited quite yet because it's still February. They are still the ninth seed. They're not in the playoffs just yet, but I can't help myself. I'm a little too excited right now. Do you think – I'm just going to ask you straightforward. Do you think the Kings are making the playoffs this year?
1: Man, uh, you know what? I think it won't be decided until the last week of the season. I think that they're going to be in it all the way up, all the way through the season. I think they're going to have a tough go over the next couple of games, and they'll fall closer to 500. Um, but then it's going to be a mad dash. And I actually believe that there, there's an opportunity here for this team to absolutely make a run for the playoffs. If you break down how many games they should win and how many games other teams should win, I expect this team, you know, to push for 45 wins and maybe a win or two more than that. If, if they get a little luck on their side. And, uh, and that tells me that they're going to be in the thick of it all the way down the stretch. And it should be a really, really fun experience for Kings fans who have, who have been through just absolutely crazy bad basketball for well over a decade. And, you know, Vince, this is my, this is my ninth season covering the team. My best season ever is 33 and 49. And that means I wrote 49, Uh, losing game recaps and that's my best season i've seen a lot more than that a lot more losses than that
0: now i i I think that right right off the bat coming in on thursday february 21st the kings are going the that those those first five games returning back from this all-star break are going to determine a big portion and if the kings are going to make it or not because they First, they go to Golden State. They play against the Warriors on the road. Then they have to go off against the Thunder. Then they're playing against a Timberwolves team that has actually turned it on a little bit before the All Star break. After starting to finally get healthy a little bit, Covington could be back at that time as well. So they're going to be a different team trying to see what they actually are against Baby Saunders uh, now at the at the coaching uh, head as the head coach. And then they got the Bucks and also the Clippers. I mean, those those five games right there are going to be something that determines it for me, but. James, I, I I look at this team, and the biggest problem with with, with this team to me, and and the biggest question marker I have here, and I want to ask this to you is, you know, I have my biggest question mark is, what are they going to do at that center position? I feel like Willie Cauley Stein has fit in as best as he could, but and, and they can't address it now. But it just seems like that is going to be where they're going to need the the biggest improvement over these next handful of games here. Twenty plus games, I think they have twenty three games left. So over those games, I think that's going to need to be their biggest improvement to actually get into the eighth seed, hold on to a playoff spot, and fend off the the Lakers and these Clippers that currently hold the AC seed right now. What do you think they, they're going to need to improve on the most if they're going to make it ultimately into the playoffs?
1: You know, to be honest with you, I've watched Willie Cauley-Stein a lot over the last couple of months, and I've watched him grow, and I, I think, look, if you put him up against Joel Embiid, if you put him up against... Uh, Nikola Jokic, um, then you're gonna have a little bit, a little bit of trouble. Um, and what we're seeing though is that on most nights, he has moments where he shows you where his value is, and in those moments, he helps you get over the top. And there are other games where, you know, maybe he disappears, or maybe De'Aaron Fox disappears, or Bogdan Bogdanovich can't hit a shot at all, or Nemanja Bialica goes completely cold. And I think in those moments, it exposes the fact that Willie is not the offensive player that you thought that he could be um, at the beginning of the season, Um, but he's still, he's shown improvement in every facet of the game. He's averaging career highs across the board. Uh, as far as points, rebounds, assists, steals, uh, minutes played. I think the only thing that you can point to is that he still isn't blocking shots, and he's actually done a better job of that over the last couple of games. Um, Look, this season is not going to be decided on Willie Cauley Stein or not Willie Cauley Stein. And even the next five games, the next five games are brutal. The Kings have every opportunity right coming out of that next five games uh, to to get right back over the 500 mark, even if they fall under under 500. So if you look at the five games and you say, okay, can they go three and two? Then they move to four games over 500. But if if they're two and three, then they only drop you know to two games on, over 500. If they go one and three, um, now you're looking at you know a, a, they're still over 500. They're still a game over 500. If they go one and four over the stretch. Um, now you're looking at they're back to 500 and you know what I think there's still an opportunity outside of these five games to recover and uh, you know just looking at the schedule breaking it down game by game by game um, I don't think that the season will be decided in the next five games unless they really have a bad stretch and they fold up shop and say oh we had it but we let it slip away and you know, back to square one, but like coming out of this five game stretch, I think they have the Knicks twice over three games. They have a struggling uh, Boston Celtics team, which they probably match up pretty well against if you look at it. Um, so I-, I think they've got an opportunity right out of this five game break um, to get right back in it. And, you know, again, if somehow they're able to go three and two over this stretch they're in prime position. I, I don't think if they go three and two of this stretch, I don't think that they, they can be beat down the stretch. I think they will be the eighth seed or maybe even the seventh.
0: Now, when I say that it defines, you know, their season, I meant more of like it'll set the tone for what I, I mean. It sets the tone for me for what I would expect for the rest of the way, because you're right. They do uh, face off against Boston twice. They are going to be going up against the struggling Wizards team as well. I think twice here. The Brooklyn Nets seem to be improving. The Dallas Mavericks—you don't know which one you're going to get on any given night. But Luka Doncic is again looks like looks like he's going to be a star. The Sixers—I don't know if they necessarily match up the best with them. Just be, but at the same time, it, it seems as if the Sixers are going to be experimenting with a lot of lineups to see what they can do with an Embiid Ben Simmons lineup. Are they going to be staggering a little bit more? Uh, they're going to be an interesting team to watch to to see you know how they're going to approach their lineup making. If the Kings somehow do make it, what is your biggest concern to them, though? Because, like, I mean, if, if you say it's not really Willie Cauley in the center position, what is it in, in your mind that they're going to need to improve on? Is it just incorporating Harrison Barnes over this last stretch since getting him from the trade deadline and really having him find his role as that small forward? And we'll talk about him a little bit more in just a minute because I, I feel like it's a great fit and it was a good trade to get him. And 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 is he going to be the key piece, or what is it to you that's going to be that big improvement for them to hold on and actually make it to the 8th or the 7th seed, like you said?
1: You know, it's really tough. This team, night in and night out, a different guy steps up every time. And that's what I enjoy about this team. Because um, as a writer, and, you know, I, I've talked to Monty Poole, our, our Warriors insider, and I told him, and, and this sounds totally ridiculous to people who don't have to who don't have to do this every night like I do. But the difference between writing like 59 wins and writing, you know, 50 losses, there's a very fine line. I mean, basically, you're writing a very similar game recap every single game. You're just trying to look for the highlights, the little things that pop out at you. And so it doesn't really matter if they win or they lose. I mean, you... As a as a journalist, you don't have a, a true stake in what's happening. Um, even though you know, again, it's it's much easier to walk into a winning locker room and get better quotes. Um, it, it's much easier it, it, to write a game story after a victory, just because you know there you are invested in who these guys are and what they're doing. Uh, you know, again, nine seasons of covering this team. I'm there at every practice. I'm there at every shoot around. I'm there uh, at every game in the locker room. Um, And uh, the way I look at it is very, is very easy. It's like, look, this team specifically every night, Buddy Heald gives me 20. What else do I get besides that? And it's, it's Fox going off or it's, you know Harrison Barnes having a big night, or it's Marvin Bagley going for 32 points, or it's Willie Cauley-Stein showing flashes of brilliance, or it's Nemanja Bjelica getting hot, or it's Bogdan Bogdanovich finding something. So for me, it's really tough to say, look, you have a deficiency. I, they had a gigantic deficiency. Actually, they had two deficiencies. And coming into the trade deadline, I think they addressed both of those. The first deficiency, of course, is at the small forward position. We all know that. They had no size at the position at all. And not only do they have Harrison Barnes now, but they also have Corey Brewer, which they just inked to a second 10-day contract. In all honesty, Corey Brewer, to me, right now, is better prepared to help this team win than Justin Jackson was. And if he gets minutes, he will give you honest-to-goodness defensive minutes that make sense. Um, And and the other position for me that they really lacked was size in the backcourt. Um, You know, Yogi Ferrell's done a really good job over the last month of being a really solid offensive weapon, but adding Alec Burks to me, it freed them up to steal all kinds of minutes at the three with Bogdan, Uh, and Alec Burks is just a professional basketball player who does all the little things, so I don't look at one position that will make or break this season, because again, like Willie Cauley-Stein could falter, And Kufis is there as a backup backup, but I still want to see what Harry Giles has. And I know that Marvin Bagley can slide over and play the five. So I don't think there's any one position now, especially with the versatility of the roster that just stands out as a glaring weakness because there are certain nights where, man, Willie just does everything that you need him to do. And it doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but he actually helps you win games and That's the only thing this team should be worried about, how each of these players can help you win a ballgame on each given night. And sometimes that means scoring. Sometimes that means rebounding. Sometimes that means getting defensive stops. But they have a a collection of guys that that's what kind of makes me intrigued by this group. And I I don't know if they can make it, but I certainly think they have a, a fighter's chance to get there, especially with what happened with the Clippers at the deadline. Uh, the way that the Lakers are faltering, uh, the mystery that is a Minnesota Timber, Timberwolves, what's happening with the Pelicans. I mean, not only are those teams all question marks, but the Kings play those teams multiple times down the stretch.
0: I'm glad you brought up Corey Brewer being better than Justin Jackson, only because I'm glad you brought up Justin Jackson, because on the last podcast, James, I talked about a report that came out from Zach Lowe of ESPN and the Zach Lowe podcast stating that there has been rumblings around the league that Justin Jackson is a better play is going to be a better player than Harrison Barnes. That the Kings did not get that much better for trading away Justin Jackson and getting in in Harrison Barnes. And, and I, I I think I mean, if you look at the year two numbers, and I think that's where they're they're probably going off of, of year two for Justin Jackson and year two for Harrison Barnes, and how you know th- they're different in that way, and how Jackson does does look a little bit better, but people forget how good of a defender Harrison Barnes actually was for the Golden State Warriors team in his second year. And even now I think people overlook just how good of a defender he is now. He has a strong base. He, uh, he can play, defend both two through four in my opinion because of that lateral quickness. I think he brings exactly what you said, that needed void of the small forward position that the Kings have been lacking since they lost Rudy Gay. Uh, I think you're right about bringing a guy like Corey Brewer, another, you know, pesky defender that can get in there and, You know, we got We just got a question in the chat. Do you think that that turns into anything now that he he got that second second uh, 10 day contract?
1: Well, okay. so first of all, Corey Brewer, he can't sign a third 10 day contract. So once he's done with this 10 day contract, I think we're going to see where the Kings go there. Um, From what I know, like initially we asked Dave Yeager, hey, how does Corey Brewer fit? And he said, well, as of right now, he's not in the rotation. Look, he's got 10 players he's using, and when you have 10 players that you're using, basically what you're going to say here is, I'm going to take Yogi Farrell out of the rotation. I'm going to use Alec Burks and Bogdan Bogdanovich as my backcourt, and I'm going to slide Corey Brewer in off the bench. Now, against elite, elite offensive players, that's totally a possibility. I, I, I can see that happening when you go up against Golden State Warriors. Um, I want Corey Brewer to go out there and give me, you know, even this 12 minutes, 15 minutes against Kevin Durant, I got to have it. I, you know, that's, that is the type of game where I think he plays. Um, And you're going to see the Kings go up against Giannis over this stretch. You're going to see them go up against a a big, small forward and Andrew Wiggins. So really you need some versatility. I mean, Paul George, this is a stretch where you have a bunch of guys that Corey Brewer might make sense to go out there and play against. Look, and Justin Jackson is a nice kid, and I, uh, you know, getting to know him is, as, you know, it, it's awesome. He he's a good kid. He's got a good heart. Um, him and his wife are doing good things in in the community, and and I like what he what he is as a person. As a player, though, I mean, there were times this season where he just was so ineffective on the court. And when I look at his November and his December and he's shooting 407 40. and 40.8% from three, but then I get to January and he, and he drops right back down and he's shooting 34%. And then in February, he's shooting 35%. Uh, I mean, uh, less than that. Where, where are we? Uh, oh, 29% from three. Um, that's just not going to fly. You know, he's the guy who has missed more wide open shots than any player that's been given that many starts. And I mean, this season he's got three starts, but last year he started like 35 or 36 games for this team. And he just never showed you that he could consistently contribute. And it's not just hitting the three ball. Um, You know, some of the things I, I always point out about Justin Jackson is he goes long stretches without getting a rebound. He goes long stretches without an assist. I mean, there are games where he literally has no effect on anything at all in the game. And you can't even have him on the court. And, you know, his last six games as a king, he didn't hit a single three-point shot. I mean, not, not one. And that's just, you know, again, I, I'm not trying to, like, pile on a guy, but when you go, like, 0 of 14 or 0 of 15 from three over your last six games, and that's really your only job is to space the floor. That means that no one has to defend you, and teams are going at him. And you know, I whether he's going to make it in the NBA, I think it's still a question mark. So to have someone say that he projects better than Harrison Barnes, that's lunacy that's someone who is not watching the games and not really understanding and not really breaking down what's going on. Uh, you know, again, there are other things besides just scoring. And I, I just look at what he brings to the table and the fact that he never gets to the free throw line. I mean, I can, there's probably 30 games this season where he didn't go to the, to the free throw line. Yeah. And the same with him on Chumpert, you know, i Chumpert is a guy that just took, either he was hot or he was cold. He took ridiculously bad 18, 19-foot followaway jump shots with 12 seconds on the shot clock. Um, you know, there were a lot of questionable things here. And when you replace those two guys with guys who come in, and this is this is how I've described them. When you're playing Major League Baseball, uh, your leadoff hitters is your huge piece, right? Your number three hitters is your best hitter. He's a guy who can hit for power, but also hit for average. Uh, your number four hitter is your home run hitter. Your number five is your home run hitter slash RBI guy. I mean, you really have these things set up in Major League Baseball, right? But people forget that if you don't have a two-hole hitter who can bat 280, hit you 14 homers, knock in 60 or 70 runs, steal some bases – um take six or eight pitches every single at bat if you don't have that guy at the two hole if you don't have that guy at the six hole at the seven hole at the eight hole then you're no good because everybody's got a one everyone's got a three everyone's got a power hitter at the four everyone's got that rbi guy at the five what what separates you is the other guys and whether they are professional hitters and they can go out and get it done and I think that's what I love about what the Kings did at the deadline. They went out and they got professional basketball players that can help this team today, give you honest minutes every single second that they're on the court. And that's not to say that Justin Jackson and Ramon Schumper didn't give you, you know, their best, but they did not give you consistency throughout the season. And that's what you got with these other guys. They may not have the ceiling or they may have a ceiling. I, I mean I can't even imagine comparing Justin Jackson and Harrison Barnes when you look at the two uh, as far as their, their years of service. Um, but to me that, that is absolutely crazy. The Kings got better at the deadline and there's no question about it. And they got better without hurting themselves at all.
0: Right. And, and, and like I said, I, 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 when I, when I, when I said this on the last pot. I think this move, what they did to acquire Harrison Barnes and a guy like Alec Burks, is they, they built up their new mentality. They built up this new environment in their locker room to where they started winning games and they've built up this culture to where now it seemed like they were ready to take that next step. And to take that next step, they needed to get the players, like you said, that – are the other guys that are actually going to come in and not only help them now, but help them down the road and, and, and helping them where it's not hurting anybody's growth. And I think, again, with with Harrison Barnes for me, and we can just start talking about him and his fit and what you're expecting from him for the rest of the season. With Harrison Barnes, I think bringing in a player that can not only play the three and the four, especially with how b has has kind of been a roller coaster ride up and down, both he and Willie Cauley signed to me are like trick-or-treat players where you just don't know which one you're going to get on any given night. But I think getting a player like Barnes, both who has been in the playoffs, who's won a title, but on top of that, he can get you a bucket if you put the ball in his hands. He can still, you know, do that little jab step on the post, get get, put his back to the basket, and we've seen that he's he's trying to be the passer, and we've seen it in a couple games already where he had his back to the basket, and I believe it was against the Nuggets. And he saw Buddy Heal got back screen and had him in a corner three and just whipped it around to him. Got an open, got an open look for Buddy Heal, knocked down shot. I think that that versatility that he brings is amazing. Again, Alec Burks, a ball handler that can slash the basket, put the ball in his hands. He can get to the basket because of his quickness, his handle, finish with, finish with both hands. He's someone that I think can both play the two and the three and, and as well as the point guard position. So... Again, it's just a team, or it was a move to make this team better now, and I think it's because they, they believe in what they've already built, that now it's just time to see what leader is going to step up. Which brings me to my next question here, James, is you know, you're know you around these guys every single night. We've seen improvements both from De'Aaron Fox, from Buddy Heald. I'm putting Marvin Bagley, who I was wrong on. I'll, be, I'll admit it, when, I, when the Kings drafted Marvin Bagley, I was not the highest on that draft pick, and, and I feel like I'm you know eating my words now. You know, I didn't I didn't say that he wasn't going to be a good player, but I just said I I just thought that it wasn't the right pick at number 2. With that said, I think he's I think he's improved from day 1 to now and the question is to to you James is who do you think is going to be that leader because Heald and Fox have have shown up to be players that could very well be in the conversation for most improved. Fox seems like he has the vocal ability to be it, but Heald has just blown my mind every game he's showing me something new and the improvement of his game has just been amazing so who do you is going to be that leader
1: you know i I think first of all it's going to be a lot of them and it's funny i i had a conversation with Lade uh last year um right after right after they uh traded garrett temple and it was like who is going to lead your team and he said very frankly like look They aren't young players forever. And at first you think, okay, yeah, I I get it, but they're still young. And it's like, well, no, some of these guys aren't really that young. I mean, Buddy Heald is 26 years old. I mean, he only has a massive second contract in him and then, you know, a smaller third contract. Uh, A guy like Willie Cauley-Stein. Look, at some point, these guys have to step up and lead. And I think when you have a guy like De'Aaron Fox who who has the moxie and he has all of the pieces to be that leader and he's stepping up on the court, that's one guy where you go, look, he may not be ready to fully take charge this year, um, but maybe he's ready the next year where he is the guy. I, I think we're going to see that evolution, right? Um, but the one guy that stands out to me after – that that stood in like the night of the trade that stood in two days after the trade who just kept filling the questions and kept saying the right thing. It's buddy healed. And I'm not sure where this happened because to be honest with you, when the Kings first got buddy healed, I thought, Oh boy, you know, like there was a lot of glitz and a lot of, uh, Man, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, his first year with the Kings, that uh, whatever it was, 25-30 game stretch, I thought to myself, look, he's going to be able to score. There's no question about that. But is it always going to be about him? And I, I think things like having a baby, having a little girl uh, has changed him. I think that getting traded changed him dramatically. Uh, but I also think that just growing up a- and becoming more mature, there's a light bulb that's gone off in that guy and it's not just as a player it's it's both it's on and off the court. and I fully expect him to be a huge leader on this team going forward. I think that guys like Marvin Bagley will take steps forward and will become you know bigger and better leaders as time goes by. I think Harry Giles has a major, major mean streak in him as both uh, you know a, a defender and a personality. He's a guy who's not going to take lip from anyone, who's not going to let his teammates get pushed around, and that shows leadership. I just think that when you have a bunch of 20, 21-year-old, 19-year-olds, and they're all kind of simmering in the pot, y- you don't really always know what you have. But there's an outline for almost every single one of these players where they can take a major step forward. And I think the real thing I will say, Vince, is Vlade was right. He has, you can't be a young guy forever. And he does have guys on his roster that can take another step forward and be something different, take on a leadership role, take on a personality that you didn't see coming. It just, you know it takes a little while you got to be in the league a little bit to earn the respect not everyone gets to come in and average 20 something in a game in their rookie year like Donovan Mitchell and uh I-, I think the kings have four or five guys that could easily become really really high quality leaders for this team
0: James Ham your Sacramento Kings insider for NBC Sports joins the Kings court here on Twitter, uh, Periscope. I want to thank everyone who has joined us here on this show. This show is presented by SackKingsnation.com. Everyone go to SackKingsNation.com for all of your in depth coverage of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, James, <coughs> I I how do I ask this question? I <laughs> I think that this Kings team is, is something that, you know, is is still at the point where they they, they they're not even scratching the surface yet. I, you said that they they still have that next step to take. I still think they have two to maybe three steps next to take. That that's how high I am on a lot of these young players, especially because of that big step that Buddy Heel has taken this year. It was just, and, and and you said it that first year when he was here. Not only was it in a deal to where the Sacramento got you know traded away to Marcus Cousins, where you know fans loved hated him and. But he, he was the franchise centerpiece for such a long time, and they're bringing in a guy in Buddy Heald who, you know, everyone knew the infatuation that, that owner Vivek Ronadive had for him. Everyone was worried, is this going to be, you know, a Jimmer situation or a Nick Stauskas situation where it's just a shooter that they fell in love with. And there, and I was concerned about that in a lot of the games that we did see him just because defensively he wasn't there. It was still a struggle for him in, those, in that first season with the Kings. And, you know, his shot, of course, was great from three-point range, 40%, but he wasn't necessarily finishing around the basket with the efficiency that you wanted him to. Now, not only is he finishing at the rim strong, not only is he getting the steals, not only is he continuously knocking down that three-point shot, but the rebounding ability of this guy. He just he flies in for boards, the putback. You know, shot that he got in in, in the, what was that the Denver game or the Detroit Detroit game? I can't remember which one it was. It was just recently. He got the rebound, put it back in. It was against Miami. Such a big play in and, and the way he just roams on the floor. I have been completely impressed with a guy and Buddy Healed to see that happen. And De'Aaron Fox's shot, while it's kind of fallen off a little bit, it's not going down with that with the consistency that it was to start the season. It still made such a big jump. And I and I think that there's another jump or two that you're gonna see from him. The passing is already there. The question for 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 me now is: They are young. They're now going at this with their their. I guess their most suited vet is Harrison Barnes now, being that he's you know won a ring, and, and Burks because he's made it to the playoffs. But these are young guys. You got Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley, rookies basically. You know, Fox healed healed in his third. Fox in his second year. How are they going to attack this second end of the season? What are their legs going to be like? What is that conditioning going to be like? Is that a concern to you?
1: No, not at all. Their conditioning and and everything else, no. And to be honest with you, the personality of this team has been really interesting for me to watch throughout the season. I mean, what I see from them is that they they don't get in prolonged losing streaks. Um, They shake things off. They understand that some games they walk into – and they have a huge, huge, huge uh, disadvantage. And they understand that. But they look at it as one game. And then they move on. And to me, guys like Buddy Healed, I mean, you talk about his rebounding numbers. Uh, and you talk about, you know, his shooting and his scoring. Look, to me, that guy, in his first stretch with the Kings, he was so bad defensively yeah. that I, you couldn't even leave him on the court And not only that, no ability to hit the pick and roll, no ability to pass at all, nothing. And what he's done as a player to me, I don't think I've seen a player that, I mean, you've seen players take steps, but I think most people around the league said, okay, like best bet, he's going to be like a really cool six man. He's going to be a dude who comes in and lights it up. He's going to be a Venny Johnson. He's going to be like the microwave. Um, and, and that's like the best case scenario. And we're wrong. I was wrong. Uh, and not only that, but people inside the Kings, they were so wrong. The plan, just so everyone knows, the plan walking into this specific season was a to try to sign Zach Levine to a massive deal. And have him be the starting shooting guard. Uh, if that didn't work out. B. Bogdan Bogdanovich was the plan at the sh- the starting shooting guard position. Bogdan gets hurt. And then they, they almost had to start Buddy just because they had no one else. And so they throw Buddy in. And I don't, you know, there was even a point where I don't even think they started Buddy. I think one of the first games of the season, didn't they start Yogi Ferrell? And maybe Buddy started at the three. Um, but still, my point is that what Buddy healed was supposed to be even coming into this season, not last season, not the season before, but this season specifically, no one thought he was going to be a guy who could step in and be a starting shooting guard. They thought that he would be better suited going against second team shooting guards defensively, offensively, everything all all the way around. And now... I mean, you can literally just pencil in 20 20 points almost every single game. And again, Dave Yeager came into this season, he didn't know one group of stats that he could put on any player coming into this season. Uh, With Zach Randolph last year, he knew, okay, I got 14.5, 15 points, and eight rebounds every single night. I know what I'm going to get. Okay, you put that guy on the court, and you know exactly what you're going to get. This season, he came in not knowing what De'Aaron Fox was going to be, not he didn't know what Buddy Heald would be, he didn't know what Marvin Bagley or Harry Giles or even, for that matter, Willie Cauley Stein. He had no idea. And now he's writing in pen. He's saying, "Okay, I know that tonight I got at least 16 and 7 from De'Aaron Fox." I've got 20 points, maybe more from Buddy Hield. Now you add Harrison Barnes. I know it le- I, I at least got 16.7 rebounds. I know that now Marvin Bagley's got to a point where at a minimum I'm getting 14 and 7, 14 and 8. Willie Cauley Stein, I got I got 12 and 7, 12 and 8, maybe 12 and 9 right there. And all of a sudden you're seeing this team form in this really interesting way. It's really, it's organic how they've come together. And, you know, I I think at this point, you know, you talk about Buddy, but it's not just Buddy. It's there's a lot of players on this team where all of a sudden they are reliable and and they can give you something specific almost every single night. And it's like, hey, we didn't know we had any of this at the beginning of the season. And so I think it's pretty fun. It's fun to watch. I I hope Kings fans are appreciating what they're seeing, because even last season, I thought Buddy Hield would be the team's leading scorer coming into the year. And then he played, you know, very, very tame numbers off the bench, you know, 13, 14 points a game. And a lot of that came late in the season, very ineffective early. And Dave Yeager went away from him. I, what we're seeing here is just, it's crazy that the development of this team has happened so quickly and so many players taking massive steps forward.
0: Are you surprised with the, you know, the, the growth from Marvin Bagley as the, from the start of the season to now, cause I mean, I think his confidence has to be high, and there uh, there's going to come to a point where is he going to be able to step into that starting role, and do you see that happening for him? Because for me, I think it's time. I think it's time to see him step into that role. And while I do love the confidence, and I and I and I said it on Twitter the other day during during a game where I think that it's time for him to like kind of know that it's not he doesn't need to shoot every time he touches the ball. He has that shoot first mentality right now. But I love that he's confident enough to take that walk in three. You know he's grabbing rebounds. He's being that motor. I, is it time for him to start, James? Are you imp- are you impressed with what he's done so far as a rookie?
1: Well, I think you can be impressed what he's done, and love what he's doing, and love the improvement, and still understand that it might not be best for the team if he starts. And I know so many people out there are so confused by that and they just look at him and they just want him. I mean, look, to be honest with you, his own dad can't stop. He cannot stop with the obsession with his son starting. And you know, that's something that like, if you're watching on the Instagram machine, um, it, it could be easily become a huge issue for this team going forward. Um, but here's the deal. Dave Yeager is going to do what's right for the team. And that means that if if Marvin Bagley is right for that starting lineup, he's going to put him in the starting lineup. If he's not right, he's going to continue to use Nemanja Bielitsa to space the floor. And he's going to use Marvin off the bench as a high-yield uh, a guy who can get you 20 points almost any night. I don't think anyone should be surprised about what Marvin Bagley's doing. In all honesty, if you're surprised, then you didn't scout the draft. You didn't really look at what happened. A kid who basically skips his senior year in high school, walks into Duke late, barely made it there in time, barely gets any practice time before the season, and then walks into the ACC, which is one of the toughest conferences in the NCAA, and proceeds to drop 20-10. and Like, it's nothing. This is an 18-year-old kid. And so if you thought he was going to struggle to transition, look, did I think he was the perfect fit for the Sacramento Kings? No, I didn't. And I'll be honest. But at the same time, I kept looking at people like, why are you freaking out about Marvin Bagley? The dude just walked in the ACC and put up 20 and 10. I mean, this guy is going to produce. I don't care about the fact that he – his left hand is more dominant than his right hand. Uh, excuse me. Al Jefferson made a career in the NBA average in 20 and 10 only using his left hand. And he's not the only one. There's all kinds of players who have one or two moves. None of them have the athleticism that we're seeing from Marvin Bagley. I will say that. I mean, go ahead.
0: I, uh, for the Marvin Bagley thing, because this was my thing during the draft, because I, I and I'm not, uh, you can look back and hear everything I said. I wasn't mad at the pick because I I understood how good of a player that he was. And again, you're right, left-handed player. The right hand, I was skeptical of, but that's fine. Like you just said, Al Jefferson, left-handed player, made a living off of it. Right. My thing was. It, one the fact that the team needed a small forward and is Luka Doncic a small forward is you know you're seeing him in Dallas that's not really seemed to be the case that you'd be taking the ball idea in Fox's hand would that be a good situation we don't know we'll probably never know. Defensively though Marvin Bagley had a huge question mark on him and there were times where it just seemed like he didn't even, he wasn't even on the court in college and now the effort was there it just seemed like he didn't have the base to to you know. Take the beating down low. He didn't have the lateral quickness to 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 stay up with with the quicker the quicker guards if they got in a switch, and also the length of his arms didn't seem like he was going to be able to be a shot blocker. Now this is why I'm eating my words though, because whether it's Dave Yeager's staff, and I give a huge kudos to Dave Yeager's staff and the development that they're doing over there with a lot of their young guys, including you know Buddy Hill, the Air Fox, and etc. But defensively, while Bagley does still have his woes. He has exceeded my expectations, and that's where I say I'm surprised because I've said it plenty of times. I am surprised with what I've seen from Marvin Bagley this year. So, but that, that's my defense of it all is because defensively, I wasn't expecting much from him.
1: No 19-year-old plays plays defense. They don't, especially kids who walk through high school as the the top one or two prospect in the entire country. No one is expecting to see them have a de- defensive acumen, and I'll also say this: all of these people who are who are heaping on Marvin Bagley's defense, right? Um, Luka Doncic is a god awful defender, and he has no natural position on the court as a as an offensive player. It's amazing he can play the one, he can play the two, he can play the three. He started at the four, coming out of the gate for Dallas. That dude can't guard. Any one of those positions and never will be able to guard anyone. You tell me, how is he going to go up against Giannis? How is he going to go up against even Clay Thompson at the two? How is he going to go up against any point guard in the Western Conference at the three? And he's going to get overpowered at the four. He defense wasn't even a thought. And Trey Young was the fifth pick. I mean, Trey Young is never going to play defense in his entire
0: NBA career. Trey Young's a paper and bag on defense. He's just getting blown away by everybody. Like is just easy to walk through. I, but Luka Doncic, what what Luka Doncic brings offensively, both as a passer and as a scorer, makes up for what he does defensively. Uh, and what I also say too, and and you can say if you agree with me or not, is I think it's easier to hide guards rather than hiding a big man on someone on the defensive end of the floor. Like, you'll see at times where, you know, you, you, Curry couldn't guard Kyrie Irving in the playoffs so they'd hide him on Marcus Smart, right? They they do things like that. I think it's easier to do that rather than saying, hey, Marvin Bagley, try and go guard... I'm trying to... P.J. Tucker, go try and guard Tobias Harris or something like that where you're looking at those type of matchups and it's harder to find that that spot. And again, this is... But at the same time... Bagley has been showing that he is great on the help defense. I would great's a strong word. He is very much improved as a help defender, being able to be a weak blocking shots from from across the court and and seeing that there's a guy driving. I think his lateral quickness has definitely improved from college to the NBA, especially at this point. And that could just be because of the development of a player working with you know NBA coaches and things like that. Again, I, while I d- I do agree with you that Luka Doncic is no defensive stopper, and defensively, you know, he's not, he's not good at all. I would say he's average. He's a sieve. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. As a as a defender, he's a sieve. And look, the reason why bigs get exposed for for their defensive play, the reason why people get so frustrated with Willie Cauley Stein, the fact he doesn't block shots. It, look, as a man on defender, Willie's a very good defender as a man on defender. uh, Marvin Bagley has really looked fine. The problem is if your guards let everyone have an inline drive to the, to the hoop, it's over. And either you stop that guy and your guy dunks, or you're the guy who gets called out for not blocking the guard shot. And so there is no, there is no happy medium there. Guards in the NBA let their bigs down all of the time. And so while, the bigs are the one who get put on a poster. It's really very seldom their fault. It's usually someone else's fault. Now, if you're not getting back in transition and you're not defending, um, you know, that can, it can either be your fault or it could be a scheme where you're down on the block and you're the last guy back. Um, but for me, I think that's something that, that Kings fans really, they lay into Wheelie calls, call Callie Stein about, but At the end of the day, what is Willie supposed to do? He's caught in in like a devil's pitchfork every single time. If he stops ball, his man dunks. If he doesn't stop ball, that guy dunks. It really comes down to it should have never got to that point. Someone should have stopped the ball at the top of the key. And I think the Kings have gotten better defensively. Early in the season, it it was horrendous. The way that they were giving up baskets, like the giant freeway running right down the middle of the lane, and we still see that from time to time. But the communication's gotten better. The guards have played better defensively. Um, The wings have played better defensively. I mean, again, Amon Shumpert did everything he could do, but when he's up against Tobias Harris, who has him by like seven inches in height, there's nothing he can do. You know, he can only do what he can do, and that's be physical while the ball's on the ground. As soon as those guys rise up, I mean, we're seeing it with Marvin Bagley. When Marvin Bagley rises up in the key, there is not a big man in the league that can go up with him. Yeah, and he just goes right up and over the top of every – if he, he gets to his spot, which is anywhere around that little circle on the floor, he gets anywhere near that spot, uh, it's going in he's got a soft touch and he elevates higher than anyone and he shoots at the top of his arc and it's holy cow look at the talent this kid
0: i have two questions here left for you james and then and then i'll let you go and if we get any fan questions you guys we are live on periscope on twitter i want to thank everyone that has joined us on the show be sure to double tap that screen give us all those likes let us know what you guys think about this show if you have any questions if i see it down in the chat i'll definitely let james answer that here on the show before we wrap on up uh, phew, do you want a coaching question or a where do you think the will, the Kings will land question? I'll let you choose, James. I have two more right here.
1: We'll go coaching first.
0: Okay, coaching question. So earlier in the year, there was that report that came out. You know that that Jaeger and in, in, in and in the in the front office. I, I don't have the full report here, but basically. There, there was a clashing of heads on if Dave Yeager was going to get that extension. A lot of it came down to a conversation about Marvin Bagley minutes. Now, I, I don't know the full story on that. If you want to elaborate on that, you can. What are the talks like on a Dave Yeager extension right now? Because I know there was a report earlier this year as well that they were already talking about uh, extending contracts to the staff of Dave Yeager. But I haven't read anything on the situation of what they're going to do with Dave Yeager right now.
1: Okay, so it's complex. Um, Dave Yeager is under contract for next season. Uh, His assistants walked into this season without contracts for next year, which is a very, very awkward situation. Um, The Kings didn't expect to be where they are. And if you you looked at the beginning of this season, I think everything was up for grabs. Uh, Whether Vlade would be here another year, whether Dave Yeager would be here another year, um, but they are the feel good story of the year. And I believe that if Dave Yeager gets his team to the playoffs and snaps the 12 season drought and, and finally, I mean, since 2006, 2005, Oh, five, Oh six season, if he can get them to the, the playoffs and uh, above a 500 record, even if he doesn't get them to the playoffs, but they're above 500, it's a miracle. This team was slated to win 25, 25 and a half games by Vegas. Um, Vegas is very rarely wrong. Um, and and I, like every year I, I get stuck telling people like wh- how many wins do I think they'll get? I'll, I'll make my prediction. Um, last year, I guessed 27 games. This year, I put it at 26 and I thought I was being generous. I have friends in the business, who put it more like 20 to 21, 22. I heard within the organization things like, we'll be lucky if we win 18 or 20 games. So for them to be where they are right now, 30 wins with 25 games remaining, it's absolutely remarkable. And I think that if Dave Yeager does get his team there, he's going to be a huge coach of the year candidate and possibly the NBA coach of the year. Um, what that means, who knows? Because George Carl won 57 games in the Coach of the Year, and he was let go by Denver, and so he, that doesn't. And I think last year didn't uh, Dwayne Casey win the Coach of the Year for Toronto, and was let go. Um, I, I don't know what that means fully, but most of his assistants are on board for next season, um, and that's something that it's a whole another gray area of chaos. Um, but I think that Vlade and Dave Yeager are on the same page. Uh, I also think that they were on the same page before and Dave was not on the same page with a couple of other people um, within the organization or at least one other person within the organization. Um, But here we stand at this moment where I don't think anyone is going to get in the way of a really good story. And I think that this team has every chance to make the playoffs. Uh, I think that not only has Dave Yeager and his staff, and and I will keep saying that his staff as well as him, they have done a remarkable job. And if what we saw this season was more grit and grind, more fighting with, you know, two bigs and, uh, and Zeebo playing 25 minutes a game and losing, um, you know, like what most people thought, um, then I'm not sure that Dave Yeager would be back, but, Dave, Dave has shown that he can change his stripes as a coach, that he can be something different. And it's something that he of course knew he could do because he's coached in the minor leagues for years to get to this point. He knows what it takes to have a young roster and to rely on guys. Even he did not believe that this was possible, that this season was possible. I don't think anyone in the organization that was in their right mind said, look, we've got a shot and this is what's going to happen. Um, but my point is that if Dave Yeager came into the season and just tried to force feed us the same exact thing that we saw before, um, then then I would be right there with everyone else saying, look, I this isn't going to work. Um, but that didn't happen. And Dave Yeager has shown that not only is he versatile as a coach, but on top of the, the fact that he understands how to push the tempo and get a team to do what they're doing – he's still one of the best X's and O's (laughs) coaches in the league. Uh, He's still a guy that coming out of a timeout, the Kings run magical stuff. And it's because Dave Yeager has a playbook that is immense and crazy, and he's a thinker when it comes to how am I going to get out of this situation? And so I think Dave's done a great job. And uh, the last thing I'll say on that is that I've always said this about coaches the minute you lose the room you need to go and that doesn't matter if it's one person who's uh, led like a, a mutiny against you or if it's just generally you've lost the room because I've seen that countless times here in Sacramento guys losing the room but the second you do it's time to go and until that moment happens you should have a Super, super, super long leash, and this should be your team. And, and I think that this should be Dave Yeager, Dave Yeager's team next season, without any question. And I think going into the summer, they should talk about things like extensions for both Lottie Devots and Dave Yeager. Uh, I think stability is a great thing in the NBA, and I think it's why so many teams around the league fail miserably. They don't understand uh what consistency and coaching and front office and a singular message means and i think it's why we're seeing philadelphia take off i think it's why utah continues to thrive even though they lose one season they lose their three top scores and they're able to make the playoffs the next year i mean the things that quinn snyder's been able to do there are remarkable and it's the reason why you know, Greg Popovich, even though he doesn't have nearly the talent he did five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, he continues to win. And it's because continuity is huge in the NBA and letting a guy fight through with his team and build something is, to me, it's invaluable. And I hope the Kings let the, let this thing play out a few seasons.
0: Question from the chat here. Are the Kings going to be holding any practices uh, before Thursday's game?
1: Yes, they will have practice on Wednesday. As of right now, I do not believe they're going to have practice tomorrow. Uh, although they might have, like a meeting day in the afternoon where um, they do some walkthrough stuff, they watch some film, they they get in the weight room, they you know maybe shoot a little bit. Um, but I don't think there will be media access on Tuesday. There will be media access on Wednesday before they head down to uh, to Golden State to to face the vaunted. Uh, Golden State Warriors.
0: All right, James, last question here for me. And, and knowing me and how well, how often I do this podcast, and I've had you on the show quite a bit, I will probably come up with another one by the time this is over, you know, just because that's how I am. You said that the, the Kings are going to potentially get to the seventh seed, but at the same time, they are also two games back of the Utah Jazz right now as well, who I believe are, yeah, exactly, they're two percentage points ahead of the san antonio spurs if you had your choice of playing the golden state warriors the denver nuggets or the oklahoma city thunder for the sacramento kings which team do you think has the the best? What, what team do you think the
1: kings match up the best with oh man um <laughs> it, this is a it's a good question and i'm gonna answer it um this way i would want the denver nuggets and while I think the Denver Nuggets are dangerous, and I think they're a very good team, and I and I love 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 so Michael Malone. I think Michael Malone is one of the good dudes that I've had the pleasure of being around in in the league. I absolutely loved my time with him. I wish it would have been longer. It should have been longer. Um, of my coaches that I've got to hang out with over the course of my career, um, he's up there. I he might be my favorite. Like personality as a coach, uh, I like Jaeger, um, and my first head coach in, when I when I first started covering the Kings was Paul Westfall, and I love Paul. Me and Paul have a great relationship. I'm so happy for him that he's a Hall of Fame finalist. Um, so I, I really do hope that he gets in. Um, Paul Westfall is a gentleman. A gentleman. His wife is amazing. He is amazing. I wish nothing but the best. He. He took on the worst situation you could possibly ever take on, uh, which was a maloof, a a broke maloof uh, ownership uh, situation where they ran the lowest payroll in the league for years and were selling off players just to make money at, at the end. Um, and so it, it ended ugly and badly here in Sacramento, but a very very good guy. Um, but. Your question. Your question was about who I would want the Kings to face. Right. Um, it's Michael Malone's Denver Nuggets because they haven't been there before. None of them have been there before. Paul Millsap has been there, um, but uh, he didn't exactly do great things in Atlanta. Uh, even though they had you know great teams there for a stretch, he had some moments in Utah, um, and, and they have some other players that have some experience. But I think that that's a team that isn't battle tested and I don't think you're going to sneak up and bite the Golden State Warriors. You might get one in a, in a seven game series. And I think that would be a major coup. I think the games would be fun. They'd be exciting. um, But in the end, I've watched too many Golden State Warriors games over the last uh, four seasons. I I cover them throughout the playoffs. Once the King season's over uh, every year. And to be honest with you, Uh, I think that they're the odds on favor to win a a third straight title, fourth and fifth year in five years. And I think they're virtually unbeatable um, at this point. Now that can change. Injuries can change. Everything else can change. Um, And I think uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder with the way that Paul George is playing, the fact that, you know, the big Kiwi in the middle, um, I just really do believe that that team is uh, that – Oklahoma city team is really, really tough and battle tested and they know how to get through the first round. And so I would choose a team with inexperience and even if they have beat me three times, uh, I think the Kings know that they're one hot streak away from running that team over and you never know what happens. It can actually, uh, catch, you know, they could catch a team on a bad stretch and you never know.
0: I'm gonna surprise you. I'm I'm gonna choose the Thunder. I I think the Thunder is the team that they they, they would want to face if they had the choice. If they, if you could choose between the two of the three, I'm choosing the Oklahoma City. Theater. Here's the only reason why though. That's Ru- not even the only reason. There's multiple reasons, but here's the biggest reason why. I'm letting Russell Westbrook shoot whenever he wants to from three point range. I'm okay with it. I'm gonna if that's if. If anybody's going to beat me with a jumper, it's going to be Westbrook until he proves me wrong. And I think that's why a lot of you're seeing that a lot right now in Warriors games with, you know, Draymond Green. Everyone when they were playing the Blazers the other night, they weren't even looking at Draymond Green when he had the ball. They were just letting him shoot. And I think that's how you're going to see people play the thunder toward the latter half of this season and heading into the playoffs until he can start knocking down a shot.
1: On top of that, he's still going to score 20 and put up a triple double. (laughs) <laughs> he's taking, hey, he's i'm just 40 shots, i'm
0: just saying <laughs> another thing too is like i don't trust their 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 supporting cast as much as i i love their big three of you know westbrook and 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 george and adams I jeremy grant's having a great year i'm not worried about him offensively defensively he's nice but I mean, here, here's the thing. He's still a small person to where I think a guy like Bagley can put his back into him and find a way to get buckets. I think Harrison Barnes is a good enough defender to where he can not stop Paul George, because I don't think they're stopping a guy in Paul George right now. That guy is—there's an argument to be made where he's number two right now in the MVP voting because of the defense and the offense that he's bringing to this team. But if you can slow him down just a little bit with Harrison Barnes, I mean, that's a factor. That I just think matchup-wise— Player-wise and game speed-wise, that's a better matchup for them. Now, like you said, though, a team that's never been there before, never been battle-tested the way they would be in the playoffs, maybe that would see see a lot of people go that way. But for me personally, I'm still going Thunder. I think they're, that's a mid-range shooting team with one really good scorer in Paul George. And if the second shooter can't shoot but, what, I think, what, 35? Thirty percent right now from three-point range and Russell Westbrook, I'm okay, yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm letting him shoot. I'm basically doing the Rondo, Draymond Green effect. Just don't even look at him while he's out there. Let him shoot it. See what happens.
1: There's uh, a big difference between Rondo and Draymond Green and and, and Russell, Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. That's just uh, my opinion. And Paul George is, he's at the third most three-pointers in the NBA. So everyone who... Is in love with Buddy Hield is doing and just amazed by what Buddy Hield is doing. Um, not only is is Paul George the best two way player in the game right now, um, he's also launching a, an incredible amount of threes and hitting them. I mean, he has been so good this season that I just don't know. I mean, that's I mean basically it's Kawhi Leonard. Uh, that's shooting 9.6 three point attempts per game, almost 10 threes a game, and he's hitting 40.6%. I mean, that, and that's your number one option. Your number two option is averaging a triple double. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's a matchup, but, you know, they got guys like Dennis Schroeder and uh, Terrence Ferguson. I mean, that that team is interesting to me.
0: James Ham, your Sacramento Kings insider for NBC Sports. Join the Kings Court. James, thank you so much for joining the show today. I truly do appreciate it. You've been on for a full hour. I think I've kept, kept you long enough. But before I let you go, let the fans out there know where they can find you online and what to expect from you uh, for the rest of the season.
1: Um, let's see. Uh, this season, we are riding so much at NBC Sports California, it's ridiculous. So NBC Sports dot uh, com backslash bay area and you can find us in the kings area there uh, you can follow me on twitter at james underscore ham nbcs for nbc sports uh, i have a facebook page which you can find me on i do facebook live shows during uh in pregame during home games which is always fun usually deuce mason joins me um and you can find me on the my teams app uh, just know that we write i write uh an incredible amount of, of copy. I don't know if you've seen it this year, uh, but it's it's a lot of words um, and we're there every day and we're not gonna charge you uh, to read the best frontline coverage of the NBA uh, of the Sacramento Kings that you're gonna find anywhere. Um, so you know that's that's where you can find me all over the place, but again, follow me on Twitter. you can see all of the links to our, our stories and uh you know it's been a long run fence nine years and a long year i i'm i'm hoping for something good here down the stretch
0: i am ready to see sacramento see their kings back in the playoffs everyone go follow james ham at james underscore ham NBCS. On Twitter, subscribe to the Kings Insider Podcast. I, James, the entire time we were doing the show, every time you were talking, I had your profile pic with the Kings Insider podcast. Just pop it <laughs> on there and your Twitter handle and going. So if you don't gain one follower, then I haven't done my job any justice here today. I've been your host, Vince Miracle. You guys can follow me on all social media platforms of at VM Center. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Kingscore Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to shows. Subscribe, listen there, leave a rating. Uh, Shirts sure, on sale. I'm wearing a Sat King's Nation sweater right now. $10 right now all the way through the end of March. You guys can go on SackKingsNation.com, Click on the gear. Go there. And go ahead and purchase one of those shirts. Thank you again, James, for joining the show. Thank you for everyone that joined us here live on Twitter and on Periscope. And until next time, Sacramento Kings fans.